My name is Jan Welch, and welcome to episode 9 of the Then and Now Blading podcast. For today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Todd McInery. And most of you will know Todd as one half of Mushroom Blading and a How to Be a Popular podcast, along with his friend Joey McGarry. Todd and Joey brought a completely new style of skating to the sport through mushroom blading. They've released their eighth video now, and their videos have blended together aggressive skating with big wheel blading, and it just showcases those two guys having a lot of fun. So I've always been impressed by Todd and Joey and what they've been doing with the sport. So I want to talk to Todd about mushroom blading, about his history, and their new wheel company. So now mushroom blading is not just t-shirts and wheels made through undercover. They actually have their own wheels. We actually talk about quite a bit, so it's a pretty interesting episode. And if you like this episode, make sure and hit the like button and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads. And make sure to follow me on my social media. I have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I have links to those in the description below. And if you want to support this channel, if you like these interviews and you like the Vault series, consider becoming a Patreon. I have a link to my Patreon page in the description below. And Patreon members will receive exclusive content not available on this channel. Becoming a Patreon will help me create more content in the future. Right now I've uploaded a couple of my old videos onto the Patreon page and I have a lot more exclusive content coming in the near future. Let's get started with the interview with Todd McEnery of Mushroom Blading. Hello Todd, welcome to the Then and Now Blading. YouTube channel, podcast. Hello, Jan. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm glad to have you on here. You're definitely a legendary person in our sport, you know, contributed a lot to a completely different style of skating, the mushroom blading and wizard skating and aggressive skating, but all in a creative way that you guys made your own. So I wanted to go back to your origin i know in your jump street interview you said that you started skating after you met joey you had moved to kamloops he was doing hockey you were playing baseball and you kind of got into skating meeting him so i kind of wanted to talk to you about baseball you had quit baseball to skate but you were really good at baseball and you might have had a future in baseball my wife laughs at me every time i say that every time i say i could have you know done something with baseball she really laughs but um who knows? I, I think I probably could have played college ball. Um, for a while, I was super passionate about it. I was super into it. I remember, you know, going nuts when the Blue Jays won the World Series back in, they won it two years in a row, 90, I think 92 and 93. And I was just like a, a, a kid, just so into baseball. And, you know, that's, that was kind of the equivalent to what skating is for me now, kind of the obsession um, and I loved playing. It's funny because I don't think I was that good, uh, but people really, they were so disappointed when I quit. <laughs> like my coach, I kept getting phone calls from my coach like years after I had already quit. And he's like, you, you, st you still don't want to play? You want to come back? Come play for us. Like, I don't know. How old were you when you quit? I was... 12 or 13 I think 13 so you're still pretty young yeah but I, I told my parents that I wanted to quit and uh they forced me to play for about a year after I 
had discovered rollerblading and, and wanting wanted to just focus on that. It was painful. It was really painful, like going to practice and knowing that Joey and all the boys were out skating. That's where I wanted to be. So they didn't react well to you wanting to quit playing baseball, huh? No, no. They thought it was a, a phase or something. I guess from their perspective, I was just so into it for so long. And then it was kind of out of left field for them to be like, yeah, I, I, I just want to rollerblade now. <laughs> and what was the final breaking point of them letting you quit playing baseball and pursuing rollerblading? Once they could see that a lot of my passion was just gone on the field, I wasn't playing very well. Um, and they knew that I was just so into this skating thing. And eventually they kind of realized, I guess, that it wasn't a fad. After you quit, your parents embraced that you had a passion for inline skating. How has their view of inline skating changed throughout the years? Now you've been doing it for 20-something years since then, right? Have they kept up with your skating? Like, are they, Do they enjoy what you do? Yeah, they do, actually. Um, they watch a lot of our videos. My dad listens to uh, a lot of the podcasts that I do. He might listen to this. Shout out, Robert yeah <laughs> nice um yeah they they really like it i think after a while they really started to appreciate the creative aspect um my mom has always been really encouraging of my you know my creativity um and so i think she realized somewhere along the way that it was more than a sport it was like a it was a creative outlet it was artistic and it was she could see the creativity in it and i think once she once she saw that, she started to appreciate it a lot more. And yeah, they keep up with, with my videos. Did you ever get your parents to try out skating? <laughs> no, no, never got them on skates. <laughs> Did you try? I never tried. Okay. No, <laughs> um, but that does bring up a funny memory that they did used to take me to the roller skating rink when I was really, really little. Um, so I'm assuming, I don't remember seeing them skate on roller skates but i'm assuming that they did and i was maybe three or four years old uh roller skating and funny enough that would have been my first introduction to you know the act of skating so it's their um, fault it is their fault yeah they planted that seed early on they didn't realize yeah it was meant to be it's very yeah. cool <laughs> um what do you think you'd be today if you would have never met joey and Joey never wow. got you into skating. Wow, that's a really good question. I think my life would be totally different in so many ways. Like um, meeting Joey, Joey's had just a crazy impact on my life. And I, I actually gave a speech at his wedding and I said this, that he's, you know, he introduced me to rollerblading, which has changed my life. He introduced me to my wife, um, you know, he kind of introduced me to, I'm not sure if I would be as into like computer work now. Like I used to just like go to his house and he would edit, but I would kind of like, you know, coach him, just, just sit there and like, uh, give ideas and input and things. Um, and I was never really into computers but that kind of maybe sparked my interest in computers just like watching him use editing programs and kind of realizing the the creative opportunities that 
that computers had. Um, but man, if I hadn't met Joey, maybe, maybe I would still be, I'd probably still be in tr traditional sports like baseball. Um, who knows what I would be doing? That's a crazy question, but my life would be totally different. Such a what if question, but you know, I mean, yeah, definitely. Like you said, meeting Joey impacted your life to this day. Big time. And yeah. it was like completely set you on your path, you know, to the future. Yeah. Maybe he totally fucked up my life. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I think, uh, I think you guys are perfect together. At least it seems that way on video. Yeah. I'm very happy with how things turned out. Have you guys had any conflict throughout the years? That's we, that's a good question. No, I don't think we've had much conflict. Um, we've disagreed on things from time to time. We are very different people and I certainly am a lot more reckless than Joey is. And I think he matured a lot faster than I did. So I wouldn't say conflict, but like maybe some of my kind of erratic behavior he did not approve of, um, with good reason. You know, like looking back on it, like I was kind of a, a really wild, uh, like I, I did some really crazy shit that like looking back on it was so stupid. What's one of the most stupid things you did that you remember? Um, when, one night drinking, and this was like after Better Than Baseball, um, I forget why, but I posted my dick on BMAG. I posted a picture of my dick on BMAG <laughs> and I had sunglasses on it and it, and it was, I like designed a little ad for better than baseball. It was like, uh, some, I can't remember exactly, but it was like something to do with like buy it was when we were marketing uh, better than baseball DVDs. So when you first started skating, what was your very first pair of skates? My very first pair of skates, um, my mom took me to play it against sports and I got some tarmac CEs with the bridge grind plate. Um, and that was my first, yeah, that was my first pair of skates. how do you like that grind plate? I, it's funny to think that at the time I, like, I didn't even question it. It was just, I mean, it functioned terribly in hindsight. But uh, I, I thought it looked so cool and like I was so into like, it was almost a point of pride, you know, when you would break through the bridge and mm -hmm. you would pull it off. I think I threw mine away the first day, like the grind plates. I didn't know any better. I had no idea what I was doing. So like I just rode them stock and yeah, I loved them. And then after a couple of years, my, my mom took me to Vancouver to get my second pair of skates and uh I could have gotten k2 fatties but I I was so used to my tarmacs that I chose box cars instead of fatties because I, I just loved I loved those tarmacs and how do you like the box cars yeah the well the box cars were pretty much the same thing as the as the tarmacs they were the same like rollerblade lightning boot basically right I remember Jason Howard skated the shit out of those skates. Yeah. 
they were nice because they came with uh, plastic grind plates at least that were a little bit better than the bridge grind plates that's a big step up yeah it was <laughs> did you ever skate the senate aluminum grind plates back in the day i really loved those i thought they were so fun at skate parks yeah i've never actually skated them i'm surprised i know i feel like you skated everything actually i like joey tries a lot more stuff than i do i've actually i've never skated like a usd or a razors my uh experience with products is actually pretty limited do you guys have the same size shoe yeah we do you guys not share skates no i'm weird with my skates like i don't like to let other people put my skates on like i have a weird thing like they're gonna mess them up or like their foot like doesn't belong in my skate i'm monogamous with my skates like i don't know it's <laughs> well I, I understand you know it's a very personal there's something about the there's something about the fit like if, if you if someone else puts on your shoes and walks around for even five minutes and you put them back on they're gonna feel different you know i don't like that <laughs> i feel you makes a yeah. lot of sense to me um what was it growing up what was the first ever blading video you saw wow bottom line or no, what was it it might have been 18 days I, or both of those videos i remember at, same at played against sports we could rent videos for like two dollars and you get it for the week it was like a vhs and that was the first time i saw one like i remember joey asked me to like he asked me if i wanted to come over and watch a skate video and i didn't even know what he was talking about i was like what do you mean this a skate video he's like well like it's like rollerblading people film rollerblading and they put it to music and so he had to explain to me what it was and yeah it, it blew me away yeah it was so cool uh, i remember the bottom line for sure i think it was the bottom line in 18 days so that was before you even put skates on no, I had been skating for, I don't know, a week or a month or a short period of time. Uh, but I didn't even, I didn't realize there was other people doing this. And I didn't realize that they were like pushing it. You know, um, Joey obviously had already seen some videos. Um, but yeah, I just... I just got these skates like because I saw how much fun Joey was having and our friend Colin. And I wanted to, I wanted to uh, do what they were doing basically, but I didn't have any concept of what skating was outside of that. What's the biggest your scene ever was in Kamloops back in the day? It got pretty big. Yeah. Um, there was a point, uh, you know, in the, in the nineties, early mid nineties, when, uh, you know, all our friends in high school skated, like we had, we had sessions of like 20 people. Um, and that was all because of the, this guy, Chad Watson that, uh, worked at played against sports. And he kind of like birthed this whole scene, um, just through, through that little consignment store, he would you know, he got in all these videos and sold like all the, all the wheels and everything. It was like our little skate shop. Um, but yeah, there, there was 
it got pretty big. That's crazy to think about. I remember we had, we were sessioning this classic spot, Riverside Coliseum. And one of the, one day I, there was, we, there was like six or seven cop cars that came to, I don't, they didn't arrest us, but uh, it was like, yeah, a ton of police that came and they were saying that we couldn't skate and it, it was a big thing um, just because there were so many kids, you know, they were, they were nervous. That's funny. Yeah, but yeah, it got really big. You know, back then in the 90s, early 2000s, you did have a lot of skate shops, you know, everywhere and those skate shops really fostered the scenes and you lost that, you know, when skating declined, there was no place for people to meet up. And it's not, you know, I mean, there's new shops popping, you know, quite a bit of shops have popped up since COVID, especially, but still nowhere to the levels of where it used to be. You know, I think, uh, I mean, social media helps, but definitely shops, like that's where I met all my skating friends. You know, I remember when I met Lana Gallegos and Jason Howard, I went into Armadillo Skate Shop in Austin, Texas, and I made a little flyer with pull off tabs, you know, with my phone number and they called me up and be sessions you nice. know that's how we did it back then yeah it's so important to have those um and for us like there was obvious there was a shop in vancouver but we also had access to skates like through even sport check in kamloops like sold aggressive skates and back in the day like some of those big box stores carried like aggressive skating products so for us, it wasn't even skate shops. It was like played again sports and sport check and kind of getting product uh, through there. And I think that's really important because, you know, because we were from smaller towns, like even when there was a, a big scene, there wouldn't have been enough to sustain a, a skate shop. So like having those little departments at the sports sporting goods shop really like helped our little scene grow i feel like we need like if skating's gonna it's it's a good thing for skating to have um for skates to be accessible through those sporting goods shops like that would be cool to see again i mean even you know during the rat tail years um i mean playing against sports is everywhere but yeah. we had you know there's probably maybe 20 played against sports that you know, continuously ordered four by four wheels and everything. So, wow. you know, it really depended on who was working there. We need, yeah, we need people to infiltrate those, those shops. When you moved to Vancouver, you had planned on making Bladestorm. That's right. <laughs> what happened with Blades, with Bladestorm? And how did you even, how did you even know about Bladestorm? I mean, um, much. I know things. <laughs> Right. You know these things. I'm impressed. <laughs> You've done your, your research. Bladestorm. I forget. I even forget what Bladestorm was all about. It, maybe it was going to be a video. Um, it was supposed to be a video with your Vancouver friends. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, I guess that was just a half-baked idea that never got off the ground. Hmm. <laughs> Bladestorm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. Bladestorm, the video nobody saw, yeah, and that you even forgot well, about. Maybe one day I'll. It's still, <laughs> you know, it's still back there. Maybe I'll start up Bladestorm. What are your top five favorite blading videos in the history of the sport? 
Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, I think smell the glove has to be on that list. It's a good one. Very good. It definitely has to be on that list. I remember I watched smell the glove at Christmas and it was too snowy to skate. It got me so stoked. I was jumping off the roof of my house into like four feet of snow. So I was so pumped. That's so smell awesome. the glove for sure. I'd have to put face the music on that list. It's a great video. Just like that team and that video, you know, like Ollie short has Ollie, that's exactly what came to mind is Ollie short and Charles Dunkel. Yeah. Oh, and Dunkel. Yeah. Mike Lilly. And yeah, just incredible. Um, top, you know, lately I, I might put streets of Lagos on that list, even though it's not like a traditional skate video, it's more of a documentary, but I just think that's such a powerful piece. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> it is. And it's a great, it's a great, you know, I mean, it's, like you said, documentary, but that's a video anyone can watch, you know, some film festivals. It's like, it's very powerful and meaningful. Yeah. And it's not just a skate video. It's like made for everybody. So exactly. Definitely a good video. Yeah. And for the same reason, I might put even that slow-mo documentary on the list. I think it's just called slow-mo. I think that is, just something there's something incredible about that um got got one more left better make it good the one that's coming to mind is um devotion with leon humphreys that that was a really really good edit leon is always been yeah. one of my favorites yeah, there was something about that edit. The the passion really came through, and it was just incredible. There there are so many great pieces. That's a great top five. I'm sh I'm sure I've forgotten some, and if I had more time to like, yeah, if I had more time to curate it, I think it, it might be a little bit different. But those were the five that came to mind. So well, it's not your standard top five either. So I like it. Yeah, I'll run with it. What are your top five favorite skaters? Okay, well the the first name has to be Brian Shima um you know always i always love shima skating just the style something indescribable about his skating that just made it look so fun and just made you want to skate dominic sagona has to be on the list second regime um i think he's had a huge influence on me, I've always tried really hard to imitate him. Um, yeah, Dominic Sagona. <sighs> Top five. Hmm. Shima Sagona. I love being put on the spot like this. This is great. What's my pleasure? Yeah. The Kelsos have to be on that list. Both of them, Colin and Sean. Yeah. And I love that they have continued skating. They really are incredible. They've mastered every kind of skating is. They could do every every kind of skating they can do, right? They didn't master it at all. It's incredible. You know, they had a photographic memory when it came to skate videos back then. They didn't know every trick and every video, every skater, like everything, like, and they just 
I think they just absorbed it all and they learned they watched everybody and just absorbed all their skating skills and you know they're just so good totally yeah and they're a great example of like a really refined style both of them they've been doing it for so long that what they're doing now is just incredible it's so refined um who else who's my favorite um all time i might put petty on that list you know just for the the sheer you know impact that his skating had this is just something about his style like his section in vg7 had a huge impact uh seeing that for the first time really cemented my my passion for rollerblading um like back when he wore like fifth elements and basketball shorts like that era of josh petty yeah just incredible a lot of skaters have changed their you know style and look over the years but i feel like he definitely changed had a lot of waves in his you know style even post skating you know definitely oh yeah big time <laughs> yeah and who is your all-time favorite canadian skater my oh probably billy vo billy vo uh he doesn't i don't i don't think he skates anymore but back in the day we used to go to these contests called uh cat canadian aggressive tour and uh he was always like miles ahead of of everyone just the dopest style he would do like the craziest fly fish 360s over over the fly box i remember it just being like 15 16 feet high in the air just just blasting them and it was just incredible yeah just the to this day just such an interesting style yeah billy Bo. and obviously i love matt ledoux i've always been a huge fan of matt ledoux um but yeah billy Bo for sure i'm not familiar with billy though not many people are yeah is he in any old videos he had a ufo in an old i was a t-bone video maybe uh maybe one that rawlinson edited high rollers okay he did a really squat really sit down ufo on like a death rail at on a contest course like a, like one of those nisrails yeah he was one of, he was one of the first people to have just super bendy style like he would do cab drivers just sitting right on his skates um but yeah not many people know who billy Vo is well billy Vo, everybody look at that video high rollers yeah high rollers yeah when you started skating what was your favorite thing about the sport and what is your favorite thing about skating today? Has it changed? There was just something about the feeling. The feeling was unlike anything else. Um, and it's still just the feeling, you know, when it's at its purest, it's just the feeling of rolling. It's, uh, it's like, yeah it's just like un unlike anything else it's unlike any other sport i i had always ex excelled at a lot of sports and i thought that i would really excel at skating but it was just it was just totally different than anything i was used to it was such a challenge and uh 
just this feeling of like infinite possibilities, you know, like we still haven't scratched the surface of what we can do on these things. Right. You know, and I love that kind of blank canvas, like thing where it's just, it's just like, you could do anything on these things. It's amazing. And you've definitely, I mean, just you and Joey have shown people how much you can do on those things. A few things. Obviously there's a lot of other people too, you know, but you've definitely uh, showed how you could mix it up, you know, using big wheels and little wheels before anybody else. So I always appreciated that with you guys. I don't, I just, I don't understand why anyone would not experiment with big wheels. There was a lot of people, I don't know, they hated on it for a long time, but yeah, people discover it's fun. And even just, you know, my favorite thing is like urban yeah. cruising, you know, just like night skates, like group night skates. I love them, you know, bombing hills, bombing garages. Every time I skate like that, it's the same feeling I had like when I first started skating. Totally. And I still have it with urban skating. You know, there's so many different types of big wheel blading and aggressive skaters have gone different routes, you know, like Caleb Smith doing the ultra, you know, distance skating thing. And then you have guys doing distance skating, but not like ultra distance skating and then the urban skating and then crossing with slalom i know you did some slalom skating back in the yeah. day even got like third place in a contest yeah <laughs> have you done any slalom skating since then or is that something in the past yeah it's not in the past i haven't been doing a lot of slalom skating and that's kind of because i haven't had like a, a proper slalom skating setup um but i have have wanted to just play on some cones um but it is ideal with like the, the proper slalom setup. Like you want like a super crazy rocker, uh, like, like a kind of a shorter frame, like an 80 mil wheel. Um, it is so fun with like a really optimized slalom setup. It's funny because when I, I, when I started like big wheeling, if you look at big wheels, volume one, we were basically in slalom skates. Um, and we thought, you know, at the time, 80 mil wheels were huge for us, you know, because we were aggressive skaters. Like, this is crazy. If we're going to make a crazy video called Big Wheels in our 80 mil <laughs> wheels. Um, but back then, it felt, they felt big. They felt like a big wheel. But um, yeah, I just, I need a, a proper setup to get back on the slalom. I mean, back then, 60 millimeters were considered big wheels to a lot of people. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the big wheel blading site, I follow a lot of slalom skaters. You know, I mean, slalom is huge around the world, especially like South America oh, and yeah. Europe. And I've seen a lot of these slalom skaters. First of all, their foot control is insane. I always figured, like, if you could slalom skate and aggressive, like the the switch ups you could do in rails and stuff but anyway i've seen a lot of these slalom skaters get into aggressive skating now that's cool you know, so it's like you have a lot of you're having a lot of crossover you know i love that yeah there's a lot of possibilities with combining those disciplines and slalom is just like great for control great for like a lot of the movements that i still do really i learned from um from slalom a lot of the pivot points and you know crossing your legs and things like that came from slalom skating yeah i think people should definitely um do a little research and look at slalom videos i'll actually post some links to some slalom skaters that i like to watch in the description below so nice. people can check it out yeah um i want to talk to you about vancouver 
Yeah. So you you moved to Vancouver at some point. Why and when did you move there? How old was I? I think I was 26. Um, I moved there uh, to go to school for like uh, interactive media was the program. Um, and Joey actually moved there at the same time to go to film school. Um, and I moved there with my now wife. I had, she was my girlfriend and I had been dating her for like a few months <laughs> and we decided to move to Vancouver together. Um, and we lived there for about seven years until, uh, until my wife got pregnant and we decided to move back. We'd always said that we didn't want to have kids in the city. It was just like so hectic and expensive and crazy. So we moved back to Kamloops um, after seven years of living there. Watching the videos you guys made when living in Vancouver always made me want to go there. Until you know, till this day, I still always want to go because you have so many cool spots oh, there. So many cool spots. What was skating in Vancouver like compared to back in Kamloops? Oh, yeah, a lot more spots. That's for sure. <laughs> like in Kamloops, we don't really have a lot of spots. Um, yeah, Vancouver was just like an endless, endless uh, options for spots. Um, and it was nice, you know, getting around on the SkyTrain. You could pretty much get anywhere. Um, but it was, it was a different vibe of skating. It was a, a little bit more stressful being in the city, surrounded by like so many people and um, skating in Kamloops is really laid back and chill. It's a lot more chill than Vancouver. There's a lot more skaters though living in Vancouver yeah. at that time, right? Yeah. I mean, who were you skating with back then and who had a influence, an influence on your style from the Vancouver scene? Well, definitely Leon. Um, I used to skate with Leon a lot um, and he, you know, he got me into, we used to slalom skate together. Um, he obviously eventually invented or made the wizard frame, um, which he, he got me on. And um, we, I think we had a big influence on each other because I think in the beginning he was kind of close-minded to like the mushroom blading thing. And if you, if you watch some of like our old videos, um, you can see that he was a little critical of, of what we were doing. But I think over time he started to open up to it and started to experiment himself with like different technology and different ways of skating. Um, so the influence kind of went both ways, but yeah, I used to skate with a lot, a lot of people in Vancouver, Brian Baxter and Josh Silver. Um, and obviously living in a big city, like a lot of people come through. And so you get to skate with a lot of people, like not many people come to Kamloops. <laughs> So that was cool. There's a lot of people out there who confuse mushroom blading with the wizard skating, but they're not the same. Can you describe what mushroom blading is? Uh, yeah, mushroom blading. It's, it, it feels weird to kind of describe what mushroom blading is. I mean, it was just a video to start with. Um, we just made the, the mushroom blading one and that was all on small wheels, really small wheels actually. Um, but mushroom blading has just turned into Joey and, and my, uh, you know, vehicle for making videos and um, now making wheels and making 
shirts and kind of a vehicle for just a lot of different things. Um, and I guess we had a, a big role in like creating like wizard skating. I think like our early wizard frame testing edits, um, we made like 20 or 30 of them. Um, and those were for a lot of people that was the first time seeing, I think what you're describing the wizard style skating. Um, so we may have helped, you know, birth that thing. Um, but no wizard, wizard skating and mushroom blading are kind of two different entities. I know there's a lot of uh, crossover and people relate wizard skating with mushroom blading. Um, yeah, I feel like it's definitely there's some confusion out there. Yeah, I hear a lot of people reference wizard blading or just you know interchanging the two, like it's the same thing. Yeah, a lot of people think that like wizard frames is me and joey um we we ride the frames uh and we it's a great product i think we both love skating them but no it's leon's uh thing well i know that yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hope hopefully everybody else does too yeah um and we'll have a link to the wizard frames in the description below yeah so you guys can check those out it's actually funny because Michael Kraft, you know, skated wizard frames at that Leon sent him at the roller skating rink. We used to go to roller skating rink in Austin. Nice. Some random kid at the rink saw him skating and ordered the whole like setup, you know, the Sabas, the the you know, like a thousand dollar whatever, just to skate around the roller skating rink because he wow. saw Michael Kraft doing it. So that was pretty cool, you know. I heard Joey saying that there's a different appeal to, you know, there's kind of an appeal to outsiders to see when they see mushroom blading like to get into it more than if say aggressive yeah like even though this is someone who's you know already a skater but definitely he probably wouldn't have just bought aggressive skates if we saw michael Kraft doing a soul grind on a curb you know it's true there's something about big wheels and wizard skating we do get a lot more attention from different types of people when we're on wizard skates i think people can really recognize like that it's some high tech kind of powerful stuff that we're rolling on. Have you had more falls on traditional skating or abstract creative skating? That's a good, that's a good question. I don't really fall that much. Um, when I, when I make it count when I do, um, definitely like yeah more falls doing traditional skating like skating handrails oh <laughs> we've never really been that good at handrails like we'll hit them it's either like we'll do it first try or we'll just eat shit <laughs> like i'm jealous of pe watching people who can like fall gracefully on rails or like not even fall there but miss and you know just like grab the rail and it looks like they know what they're doing like, oh yeah it's impressive. I've never uh, acquired that skill of missing a rail, but not eating shit. <laughs> it's watching some of these tapes I'm doing with the vault episodes. It's like, you know, most people would die on some of these falls, but these guys are just so casual. Yeah. Like, nothing, you know? I think they just, they get used to, uh, you know, skating rails so much and missing their tricks. And it's not a big deal. They just learn that they need to like grab the rail and ride out the stairs. And it's like, it's not a, thing 
But for me, if I miss, like I'm going down, it's not going to be pretty. Now with, uh, you know, having kids and family and later in life, how often are you getting out to skate? Has it decreased at all or? Yeah, I, we still skate quite a bit. Usually Joey and I uh, will skate on our lunch breaks quite a bit. Um, so it's like, obviously it's shorter sessions. We're not like hanging out where it's just like rapid fire for like 40 minutes and then we're done. But um, I'm content with the amount of time I get to skate. Um, I feel like we're way more productive now. Like we kind of with limited time, we're, we're, we're just on schedule. We just take advantage of every minute you know, that we have, as opposed to when you're a kid and you can just go hang out for hours and hours and you don't actually accomplish anything, but it's, you know, it's fun. Um, now we're just on like business plating. We just want to like film and just take advantage of our, our short windows of freedom. <laughs> and you've been doing the family sessions too. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fun. Yeah. And, uh, so your kids skating, Yep. Both of my kids, uh, skate. Um, they're loving it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's super cool to watch. And then, uh, hopefully Joey's kid joins the session at some point in the future. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. That will be really cool. Maybe this year. What is your day job? I'm a web developer at a marketing agency. Okay. So you're the one doing the mushroom blading website. Yep. Yeah. That was me. The new website looks really nice. nice. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoy it. And I really like that graphic on there, the, the drawing of you and Joey with the mushroom heads. Yeah. Who did that? That was Mark Sweetland. And who's he? I don't know. Um, <laughs> apparently, he's Canadian. I've never met him, I don't think. Um, the first time that I saw his artwork was when I did Jump Street. Um, they showed it at the beginning of their show, the painting of me and Joey. It's obviously incredible. Um, and he did one of the, the Jump Street guys. And I've been in contact with him. And um, I just asked if it was cool if I used that, that photo because it's amazing. Or the painting, I should say. Um, but yeah, his art, his art is incredible. Check out, I think if you Google Mark, Mark Sweetland, he's got a website. Um, and he's, he's done... Yeah, he's done some incredible uh, skating paintings. I saw the one from the podcast from the Jump Street episode yeah. of you guys and the one that he did it. Um, I didn't realize it was the same person. Yeah. I'll definitely look for that and try to link him below as well. Definitely. Yeah, check him out. So with the old podcasts you were doing, you had mentioned early on you would get really drunk. Yeah. In the podcasts. And yeah. I assume you probably got really drunk outside of the podcasts too. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But do you no longer drink now? No. How long ago did you quit drinking? Why did you stop? And how much sharper do you feel today? Yeah, I, I quit about seven years ago. It started as like a, a New Year's resolution. I challenged myself. I, I said, I, I'm not going to drink for a year. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was drinking way too much. Um, it was a problem. I was making some really bad decisions and kind of dealing with anxiety and stress, not in a healthy way, just kind of using alcohol as a crutch. Like I would just not even hanging out with friends. I would pound back like 12 beers, just sitting at home by myself. Um, so it, it wasn't cool. 
so I feel much, much better now. Um, obviously it started out as like a one year challenge and I got to the end of that year and I'm like, oh, I just feel so good. I'm just going to roll with this. <laughs> I, yeah, it's very rare that I crave, uh, alcohol now. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm, be I'm better off without it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> More productive more productive um just i have healthier coping habits i think and yeah make less mistakes <laughs> so other than blading and being a dad what are some some of your favorite activities to do uh i i like doing art like i love drawing um I, i'm a huge fan of ufc i like watching uh fighting i like to watch people fight and I like watching fighters talk about fighting, even though I have no interest in fighting myself. I like, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I enjoy juggling. Juggling is really fun. Um, I, I like just exercising, just pushing myself uh, with exercise. Um, <clears throat> that's about it, yeah. Love music. And you haven't you haven't updated your YouTube channel Just Juggle in like ten years. What's up with that? I love it. I love it, Jan. <laughs> You're telling me things about myself that I don't even know. I <laughs> wow, I forgot about that. <laughs> Are there videos on there? Yeah, there's still they got like ten videos on there. Really? Okay. Wow. Jeez, that must have been in the drinking days. See, I don't even remember this. <laughs> so yeah, I saw that you had not posted. So I was wondering if you were still juggling or not, but you still are. Yes. Yeah. It's a great skill. Yeah. Keeps your hands sharp. Yeah. There's a, a lot of possibilities with it for creativity. And you're a really fit guy. You know, we see you without your shirts on and mushroom blade <laughs> videos. What do you do to work out and how do you keep fit? And do you have any sort of special diets you do or anything like that? Um, I'm not super, uh, particular about what I eat, but I am pretty strict with like when I eat. So I do like, I won't eat after dinner and I usually don't eat till lunch. So I go long stretches without eating. And that, I think that's been more beneficial than any kind of like diet that I've been on. Like, I really feel the benefits of that. Like my stomach is, it feels bulletproof. Like I very rarely get sick or into indigestion or anything like that. Um, yeah. And I feel really good. I, I work out every day, just short workouts, like 20 minutes a day. Um, do like high intensity stuff, like a lot of um, body weight stuff and a little bit of kettlebells, a little bit of yoga, try to mix it up. But um, I've been doing this like knees over toes uh, workout or honestly, I'm not even sure if I'm doing it properly, but this knees over toes guy I've been following and trying to like copy a lot of his exercises. And it's had a huge, uh, a positive impact, impact on my knees, on my mobility and strength with, with my knees. Cause I did have like a knee surgery uh, years back an ACL reconstructive surgery. Um, and for a long time, I felt really unconfident with my with my left side like with my left knee in particular 
And uh, doing these knees over toes exercises has really boosted my confidence. Like my strength and mobility in my, in my knee is way better than it was before I started doing these. And so like they're exercises that are really targeted at kind of the, the, the knee mobility and things that are connected to the knee. And a lot of the exercises, obviously your knees are going over your toes, things that, um, yeah, are just really beneficial for, for knee health. So that's been, <clears throat> that's been amazing. Yeah. Doing that. Good. Good. That's uh, yeah. definitely very needed for a lot of people should be doing that. If anyone's struggling with their knees. Yeah. I, I highly recommend looking at this knees over toes guy. A lot of his exercises that he does are incredible. YouTube or yeah. YouTube, Instagram. If you just search knees over toes, you're going to see this guy, this guy that can just do like incredible uh, things with his knees and his legs. And he's a basketball player. And he, when he was growing up, he had like horrible knees, I guess. <clears throat> and he couldn't play. He had to quit basketball for a while. And now you look at what this guy can do is just like crazy. Like he can jump like five, six feet in the air. He can dunk. He can just bend his knees in the craziest ways. Um, so it's really inspiring. Yeah. Check this guy out. Wow. That's really cool. For sure. I'll have yeah. links. I'll make links to him as well. So you guys can check it out. Definitely. Also want to mention to everybody, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. If you haven't already hit that bell icon to be notified of all new uploads and you can follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, links in the description below you're killing it yawn how many push-ups can you do in a row um i think if i had a gun to my head i could maybe do like 60 okay without a gun just like if you were to drop and do push-ups right now how many could it be maybe 40 hmm, that's not bad maybe 50 maybe 50 40 50 40 or 50 that's good that's about 48 more than me yeah <laughs> push-ups are hard they're very hard um, so I know Joey is into skiing. Are you into skiing at all? Very casually. Very, very casually. Um, I try to get up with my wife about once a year, but we did buy some skis for the kids this year. <clears throat> we haven't been up yet, but, uh, I think I might purchase my own skis because usually I, I rent, um, but if I'm going to be going up with the kids more often, I'll, I'll buy a pair. Skiing is really fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I've, I ski. Yeah. I've already skied 10 days a season. Nice. So nice. Yeah. I'm going to ski skiing in the morning. It's so fun. It is so fun. How far do you live from the ski area? Uh, there's two hills here in Kamloops. There's Harper Mountain and Sun Peaks. Sun Peaks is about a half hour or 40 minutes away. Uh, Harper is maybe 25, 25 minutes away. So pretty close. That's not bad at all. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work. You know, skating feels very easy in comparison to uh, going up skiing. I started skiing, what, this is my fourth season. I've skied 200-something days. Wow. And... The first day I did it, I just fell in love with it. I'm like, this is just like baiting. It's so fun. It's like downhill 
and urban skating combined and it's like my skis are really playful too so it's like it's just very playful you know i love it yeah and i just i want to do it every day and i actually cut glades on our property so i can skin up and ski my trees here at the house i've already skied them like six times this season <laughs> nice. so um i don't even have to leave so it's perfect <laughs> that's amazing um so in the photo i had a photo of you to promote this interview it was you with a mushroom blading tank top which you guys don't have on the website you can have tank tops again we've never actually sold tank tops there's a demand i know in the spring you should come out with some tank tops that's a good idea yeah we'll do that but where i'm going at is how long did it take you to eat that tub of pork rinds <laughs> not very long uh <laughs> maybe a couple weeks <laughs> that's not bad the kids helped me out though and is this like a something you eat a lot or is this a, was it a one-off no, I do like park rinds. And I usually have one of those big boys hanging out up in the up in the cabinet. You get those at Costco. Um, I do love park rinds. I do too. They're delicious. It's just so bad for you. Are they though? I don't know if they are. Like in comparison to potato chips. I mean, I assume it's just like fried out pork fat. I mean, or skin or I don't know. But if you, the thing is, if you look at the ingredients, it's just like, uh, pork, pork and lard, as opposed to like if you look at like potato chips. Well, everything's bad for you, right? Yeah, pick your poison, right? Yeah, I like pork rinds. Now it's winter. You know, we were saying talk about skiing. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the weather's like where you live. Like, is the skating pause during the winter time? And are you able to skate at all? Is there anything indoors covered? And well, right now, currently, yeah, it's, there's a lot of snow. Um, usually, usually there's periods of time when we can skate a little bit where it'll dry up, but it's, it's definitely a break uh, in the winter. There's less skating and no, we don't have an indoor park. Uh, we do hit the, there's a couple covered spots. We hit the uh, Superstore Parkade um kind of frequently just to keep up the skills and it's it's pretty fun um but yeah it's a lot there's a lot less options it kind of sucks yeah yeah i mean same here i live in a little town of six thousand people and there's barely paved roads and there's nothing covered so <laughs> if the border was open or it's open but it's kind of still hard to cross to canada otherwise i would go to Montreal because I have some indoor skate parks now. Yeah, they've always had indoor parks in Montreal. And they built so many outdoor parks since COVID, like wow. in Quebec. Um, probably a dozen or so in wow. the past two years. Um, so I oh this is a very serious question that I'm getting into. In your opinion, yeah, are you the most handsome rollerblader that exists? I'm not that handsome. If I'm the most, if I'm the handsomest rollerblader, then we're in trouble. Um, so who would be the most handsome rollerblader? Uh, Anthony Potier is pretty handsome. He is pretty handsome. Yeah, and he's got that Italian name. Right. Yeah, that's he's and uh, Tony Woodland is really handsome. I think maybe there would have been a time when I would have taken the title, maybe in my prime, but uh, no, I'm old and wrinkly. No way. <laughs> Speaking of your prime, when was your prime in skating? Skating wise, I'm in my prime right now, for sure. 
for sure. Yeah. And I, and I love to say that and I, and it's true. Um, again, like, yeah, discovering this knees over toes stuff has really made my body feel better than ever. Like for so long, like my knees always hurt. It sucked. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't have any pain now when I skate. Like, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful about that. Uh, the yoga's contributed to that as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because I know when I was doing a lot of yoga, I, all my pains went away. Yeah. It was very beneficial. I wanted to talk about your art a little bit. How did you get into art? Did you study it? Did you go to school for art? Or is it just something you learn on your own? It was a part of the, the program that I did in Vancouver. Um, there was a lot of art uh, a lot of drawing, um, you know, color theory and things like that. Um, I've never considered myself to be like an artist. Uh, in fact, I was a pretty good student in high school. I always got A's or B's in all of my classes. There was only one class that I got less than a B and it was art. I got a C plus. Um, I still don't really think of myself as like an artist. Like, I don't think I'm that good, but I do think that I've done what I do for long enough that it's, I've kind of developed my own uh, signature, my own kind of style um, that's, that's unique. Um, and I've always, that's been kind of my goal with art. Like I've always been obsessed with signatures, like how people can, just do a, like, it's really easy for them to do a signature. It's not like a challenge, but they can do this mark with their hand that's hard to replicate. Um, so, so that's kind of something that I've tried to develop in my art is to try to do something that's, that no one else can do. Well, your art, at least your art for mushroom blading, I haven't seen any of your other art, but your art for mushroom blading, I love it. I love all those, the t-shirt designs, everything. It's really cool. Cool, and, thank you. And is there any like inspiration or meaning behind some of those graphics you've done for mushroom blading? Like they kind of just happen. You know what I mean? Like um, I think Larry Fagan said in an old uh, Daily Bread, he said like, I just watch my hand make the image, something along those lines. And that's kind of what happens with me. Like, I don't see the art before I make it. Like I do it and then it's there and it's like, oh, that's, that's cool. So it's almost accidental if that makes, if that doesn't sound too uh, pretentious. It's just like, I kind of let the process create the, the thing. Obviously there's like certain elements that I, try to incorporate like obviously the pants was like you know we need to make a pants wheel that would be funny um or like certain certain objects that i tried to incorporate like a mug or like like faces or or whatever but then once i once yeah the good stuff kind of happens just my hand does it what are you creating your art with just, just uh, a sharpie um i usually just draw it with a sharpie and then scan it 
and then uh, you know live trace and play with colors and things like that. Um, but yeah, always just like a ink. So the pants wheel, yeah, obviously is a is in reference to the whole pants. It's internet sensation within rollerblading of people caring about pants way too much over the past <laughs> 20 years. I think it's a proper level of, of care. I mean, I think it's like... It's an important thing. I think it's very stupid. I also think it's very funny. Like the fact that it's still around and people still care. Like, yeah. You know, it's like something that doesn't matter at all. And like people really care about it and they're passionate about it. And I mean, you guys made a will about it. Yeah. And... And you wear a lot of different pants, you know? I see you you wearing cargo pants, like you got own jeans. Yeah. Did you ever skate Jethro cargo pants back in the day? No, I didn't. I did not. Mm, those were nice. I think you would have looked very good in a Jethro cargo pants. They looked really nice. I know what you're talking about. I wanted some Jethros. What would be your dream pair of pants? If you could design your own pants, what would be the material, cut, See, I love like diff the the I love different pants. I love experimenting with different fits. Um, but obviously, like something super super lightweight would be nice, like slinky. Um, but I also like like a thicker pant. You know, I like a even a heavier like a cargo pant is a little bit heavier. Um, and once in a while, like having a fitted pair of pants is nice, like a tight pant. I love all the pants, but if you're doing a lot of, uh, you know, your leg extended movements on wizard skates or wizard frames, what type of pants you want more like a flowing pants? Yeah. Flowing pant. I like a baggy. Yeah. Pant. Okay. Yeah. It's changes the experience of skating having, oh, for sure. having a, a baggy pant. Um, it has a significant impact on the way that you experience the activity. Like if you think about skating in tight clothes compared to skating in baggy clothes, that's very, that's a different experience. So as, as funny as it is, it really does have a significant impact on the, on the way that you experience the activity. I have a pants first that's happened to me recently. Uh, the last video I made, it was my trip down to Hartford, Connecticut for the New England uh, Memorial Blade Jam. Yeah. And I skated there one trick, my third trick of the year. <laughs> but I wore sweatpants for my first time ever. Ooh. And, and I did a trick in them. Felt good, and didn't it? I'm like, it felt good, but it was like, it's, I feel like it's not like, I just, I'm wearing sweatpants out because I'm like old. It's just like easier to put on. <laughs> <laughs> and leave the house with you know <laughs> and it worked good in skating they're lightweight and it's unfortunate that people would uh deny themselves the experience of, of skating in sweatpants because they think there's something inferior about a sweatpant don't underestimate skating in sweatpants it's a nice feeling it wasn't bad they're kind of like an ash gray so they did get really dirty yeah yeah you know um, so I need to definitely maybe go with a charcoal gray. Yeah, maybe a black or charcoal. What's your favorite shirt color? I like a black. I like a black t-shirt. Okay. I, I do. Um, but 
Um, I really like red. I like this red hoodie. See, I wanted to make a red hoodie because of Josh Petty in a USD tour video. He had that Marlboro hoodie. I always loved, I really loved that hoodie. And that hoodie is available on your website right now. It is. Yeah. So yeah, go to the mushroomblading.com and you can pick up that sweater. Yeah. Super comfortable. I'm really comfortable right now. And support Todd and Joey. And uh, one, I've got one last question about clothes and that is, what is your favorite sock to skate in? Good question. And uh, Joey is more particular about his socks, but I have found a sock that I like. It's just a um, Ralph Lauren black high sock. Nothing special. Um, just fits really good. Works with my foot. Um, it's not too thick, not too thin. Um, I did try the Descent socks, which are like, I think it's a skiing company and they're like, com like compression socks and really high end. It's a high end sock. Um, and I didn't find like a huge difference. I'm going to recommend a sock to you. Sure. There's a sock brand from Vermont. It's called Darn Tough. Darn Tough. Yeah. All the socks from Marina Wool, they make socks for all the different outdoor sports. Okay. And what's nice about them is they're made in Vermont and they have a lifetime warranty. So if you get a hole in them, anything, you send them in, they'll send you a new pair of socks. Really? They're great socks. That's all I buy now. Well, that's crazy that they would do that. So I want to get into skates themselves. Yeah. You were saying that Joey experiments more with skates than you do. Yeah. Um, but you both skate Saber skates with your wizard setups. Yes. And I've noticed that neither one of you skate Saber skates with aggressive frames. I have, I have, I haven't for a while. Um, pretty much since I started skating them's, I stopped skating Seba's for aggressive. Um, there, I, I liked the Seba's for aggressive. I did not like the uh, sole plate as much. Like the way it attaches to the boot, it, it didn't feel as solid. It was more flimsy. And that was like the main, the main bad thing about Seba aggressive. I don't know if like, I'm sure maybe some of their new skates are different, but I just found the them sole, the way it attached is way more solid for grinding, which is the primary use of an aggressive skate. What makes the Seba boot, the idea boot for the wizard setup? That's a good question. What is it? Um, well, it's really solid. It's really stiff. That's what you want for, I, I would say, for a, for a big wheel boot. I think you want a little bit more uh, stability. You don't need to be like, you don't need to have that flexibility that you want with an aggressive boot. So you, you do want it to be a little bit more rigid and you want to be able to, um, what am I trying to say? Like you want to be able to lean on it in a way, as opposed to an aggressive skate. Like you want it to be stiff enough. And even the liner that I'm using with my Seba, the tongue is really stiff and solid. Um, 
and it feels like I can really put weight against it and it kind of braces me. Yeah, it's, it is a different thing that you're looking for with a, a big boot, a big wheel boot, as opposed to a small wheel of grinding boot. You don't need to worry about getting topside with a, with a big wheel boot. So you said you're skating the Dem skates. Have you skated both the 908 and a 909? Yes. Yeah. And which, which cuff do you prefer? I prefer the 909. And why? The, why? Um, I find it more, what do I say? The, the way that I can bend my grinds in the 909, I find superior. Like it feels really natural to get into grinding positions. Um, I did like the 908 um, and the 908 was the same thing. I enjoyed it for grinding postures, but I think the 909 is even better in my opinion. But you do have to, you do have to play with the, um, with the cuff. Like you can put, you can put it a little bit higher or a little bit lower. And that does make a, a difference with how it feels. And uh, one way isn't better than the other, but you should uh, experiment and find find out what work, what feels best for you. I've been wanting to try out the 909s now that they've released so many different models. Um, the new the new ones look really nice. What is your favorite flat frame for aggressive skating? I really like wish frames. Um, wish frames are incredible in terms of a flat frame that grinds like like a like a freestyle frame those are what i'm skating and i love them yeah they're great for grinding they're great um the the problem i have with wish frames is finding wheels that work together because you know they're like a high low concept um it can be tricky it, it can be hard to find wheels with the same profile and that's really important yeah i have a mixed profile on mine it would also depend on, you know, what, how, like how the profiles are different. Like I've heard uh, Joey Lunger describes his setup as a kayak. I think he's, he said with like a rounder profile in the middle and a more bullet profile on the outside, I believe. He said like it, uh, when he, when he turns at an angle, only his middle wheels are touching type thing. And he's kind of learned to control it that way. So it is kind of interesting that even with like different profiles, people are figuring out these different configurations that work well for them. That's interesting. But for the most part, you, you want your profile, I think, to be the same. I also really like the, the flat frame by Anthony Potter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those look cool. Yeah, really solid. And they surprisingly, they grind really well. What's your favorite wheel size on a flat setup? Um, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a favorite because I like a really small wheel. Like I like 55s flat. That's a certain feeling. And then I do like like a 60 flat or even, you know, with wish, wish frames doing like a, like even up to 72 um, flat. They all have unique, a unique feeling. And I appreciate them all. And I drift around on all of them. Um, 
So I don't have like a go-to. Sometimes I wish I had a go-to. Like I feel like people who, who just stick to their one thing, um, people like Broskow who never deviate from their setup. It's like they get so used to that setup that they're probably a lot better than people like me who kind of drift around to all these different setups. And you never really like, get really, really good on the one thing. You're always kind of like getting used to a new thing and, you know. Um, it, makes it, it makes it fun though. It does. Know, experimenting and, and getting creative on different setups. And I think it might've been you or it was Joey that said, you know, each, each setup has a different purpose. It's true. Right, for different type of skating. Yeah. You said in your, in your Jump Street interview, you had skated Annie Rock a little bit for the Mushroom Blading 8 video, yeah. and, but it hurt your knees. Yep. And you probably wouldn't do to skate them again. Did you have you skated them since then, or have you? I have, yes, yeah. Has it hurt your knees again? And I did hurt my knee, yeah. But <laughs> but uh, my knees are feeling really. I might. Uh, I'll pr I'll probably. I will skate anti rocker again at some point. I will. Especially with your new program for exercise, it might help. Especially with my new program, I'm feeling more uh, confident. So getting into some tricks. What's your favorite wizard move? My favorite. I love just a classic gazelle. Um, I love just a, a toe pivot. Feels really good. Um, I love heel spins. Man, my favorite. There's so many. The feeling of a gazelle is just incredible. It's so simple and accessible. Have you ever thought about making tutorial videos for wizard skating? I have, yeah. That's a great idea. I should. I would love to. Um, it's it, and it will happen. Just like the anti rocker, it will happen at some point. I will do tutorial videos. I think that's something that people would love to see. You're right. You are right. You know, people would love yeah. to see that. Um, that's a great, yeah, tutorial video. Yeah, I think that's uh, the next the next step in the evolution of Mushroom Blading YouTube channel. I think so. I think so. And then when it comes to grinding, what's your favorite grind? I love Mizu's. I'm really comfortable doing Mizu's. I love Mizu's too. I also love them. Yeah, they feel good. I've started to do them switch, actually, and they feel really good. Yeah. Nice. And Royales feel really good. The, the trick I did in that, uh, in my sweatpants, yeah, was actually like you know, a crab the side surf, yeah, to Ali Mizu to crab out. Ooh. That was my Mizu trick nice. of the day, yeah. Crab to Ali Mizu feels really good. And I saw you do some wheelbarrows in Mushroom Blading 8, which that used to be a trick I loved in the 90s. I haven't done it since, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. I remember when those first came out, so sick, yeah. I mean, on ledges, we had so many ledges in Texas, and they were so fun. Now you're getting older. Is there any tricks that hurt more? Like, I know you still do some stair gaps and stuff like that. Is there? Well, for a long time, I didn't do anything switch. I didn't do any switch tricks for forever. Like since I had my knee surgery, they were just kind of off the table, but I'm trying really hard now, uh, now with my newfound confidence to incorporate more switch tricks. Um, and then other tricks, I used to be able to 900. I just can't do that anymore. 
I don't know if it's psychological or or what, but I haven't landed a 900 in a very long time. That's a it's a big spin. It's a lot of spinning. I saw Ian McLeod still doing yeah. those pretty flawlessly. Um, but yeah, obviously I'm not hitting like huge gaps like to flat ground like high impact gaps i'm a little bit smarter about if i'm gonna jump something it's it's gonna be i don't know like an up gap or like landing into a slope something that's lower impact i'm a little bit smarter about that i'm not gonna jump off a roof well you're older and wiser now yeah (laughs) if you could only do one trick for the rest of your life, what trick would that be? Probably a soul grind. Yeah, I could do soul grinds forever. It's a fun trick. What was the first trick you did? Do you remember? Was it a soul grind? Front side. Front side? Really bad front side. Yeah. Actually, before I bought uh, those Tarmac CEs, I, had, I tried a pair of Joey's skates in his garage. And we were doing front sides on like a little hockey hockey net without the net and just the, on the post. We we're doing, I was doing front sides and I ate shit and I got a blister in my, th- uh, like a blood, what are those things called? Blood? Blood blister? Blood blister? Yeah. No, blood blister. In my <laughs> do you have a, a trick that you've wanted to do and you've never been able to land? That's a good question. Never been able to land. I don't think so. Obviously, there's a lot of tricks that I haven't landed, but there's none that I've wanted wanted to do that I haven't done. That's a weird question, but... (laughs) Usually, I do the tricks that I really want to do. And you've done a lot of them. I've done a few. Yeah, done a few tricks. <laughs> so moving on to mushroom blading itself. Yes. Um, who came up with the name and why mushroom blading? Like why the name mushroom blading? Where, what's the origin of the name? Well, I think it was Andy Cruz that first used the term mushroom blading. And we were familiar with the term mushroom blading. So when we decided to make a video that was basically the weirdest tricks that we could possibly think of and do, um, it seemed like like a n- logical name for that video, uh, mushroom blading. And that's where it all started was just naming that first video mushroom blading. And it wasn't meant to be like a, a company or anything. It's turned into a company. Yeah, it's turned into a movement. Yeah, it's turned into a style, and I think it's turned into a way of life for some people besides you guys as well. You know, so it's definitely done a lot and encompassed all aspects of the sport from that one video. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so mushroom blading. Do you personally view mushroom blading as outsider blading? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I view mushroom blading as just an attitude. It's just uh, being open to, you know, wacky movements. That's all it is. 
and even even in a subtle sense it doesn't need to be over the top just being open to little garnish that you can put on tricks um yeah it's just an attitude well one thing i see with mushroom blading and your videos is it's an attitude but it's like a fun attitude definitely right you guys are having a lot of fun and i feel like you guys are having a lot of fun before a lot of other people were having a lot of fun <laughs> you know people were still taking their tricks too serious they were trying to spin to win you know they weren't enjoying skating while you guys were um do you think that what you guys have done with mushroom blading has made people enjoy skating more i do yeah i do uh, like i said it's that attitude right um it doesn't refer to any, anything specific about tricks i don't think it's just um not being rigid about uh what is cool or what is worthy of of pursuing um and yeah being open-minded um not taking yourself too seriously i think those themes have spilled into you know have influenced people like so uh, I hope that our videos and content and stuff helps people enjoy skating more. That would be a really good accomplishment. I think it definitely has um, definitely made people enjoy skating. I hope so. You can base off the comments off of the video yeah. of your mushroom blading eight. Just look at the comments. Look at the comments on 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 Joey's Jump Street podcast on yours. You know, definitely people enjoy skating your guys are skating and doing your kind of skating. So kudos to you guys on a job well done with that. Thank you. Yeah, that's good to hear. Have you ever tried quad skating? Only as a very young person, like three years old. That Not since, no. Have you seen anybody do mushroom quadding? No, I've never seen mushroom quadding. I've seen, yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've seen like, People obviously do moves on quads, um, creative movements. Some of what estrogen, I think, would be considered mushroom quadding. Yeah. Any chance of a uh, mushroom quadding crossover video in the future? Maybe. I'm not going to say no to that. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself that I haven't tried quads. I need to try quads. Yeah, I think uh, it would be fun to see you at least learn definitely we have a friend uh, chris nima who we used to skate with and he tried quads and he just fell in love with them and he only quads now he doesn't even rollerblade anymore so with wizard frames what's there's a lot of different wizard frame setups you have five wheels four wheels different sizes what's your favorite one that you skated you skated pretty much mo i'm assuming most of them yeah and what's what's the favorite one like if you could only have keep one pair which one would it be? I really love the five wheel. Um, it's the one I skate is a five by 76. And there's something like, like for flat ground skating in particular, that's the frame that I would pick. Um, it's really stable. Um, it's really like, it, obviously it's a longer frame base because there's five wheels but each wheel is a little bit smaller. So you're a little bit closer to the ground. There's something like 
it just feels so good to skate around on that on that frame yeah those look interesting um definitely the flat like you said the flat ground skating i mean that's a what's nice about that is you could do it anywhere yeah as long as you have some asphalt you know you can sessions like like flatland bmx or something right exactly when you first started doing that flatland type of skating how much time would you spend in a parking lot or whatever like practicing i used to skate flat ground even before big wheels like just in in small wheels um and i would spend entire sessions like hours uh just doing heel rolls and obviously more cess slides with the with aggressive skates um but once we had wizard wizard skates yeah flat ground sessions just became way more fun way more fun we'd spend hours just skating flat ground i mean wizard skating has definitely gotten a lot more popular and a lot of companies making wizard style frames now uh, what's your take on these new frames have you tried any of them i haven't tried any of them no um but I think it's just like like a natural thing that more uh, companies are going to start start making them. Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me. But uh, no, I haven't tried any of them. I wanted to get into wheels now. Obviously, you guys rebranded into a wheel company. Yeah. Even though you did have a wheel before, you had the, the undercover mushroom blading wheels. Yeah. That you did with Matthias at PowerSlide, um, they were sold distributed by PowerSlide, or you guys had some too. How, how did the collaboration work with that wheel, and how did you even make it happen with Matthias? You know, it was it was kind of just like a pro wheel, I guess. We we just uh, in those early days, we kind of talked about the size and the hardness and everything, and then I designed them and you know told them what urethane color and everything but it was pure it was purely distributed by undercover um so usually you know shops would get the the wheel before we would get ours to skate how many different wheels did you guys do with the undercover with undercover we i think we started with the 90 if i'm correct we did two variations of the 90 and so we it was we did a green one and a white one um with that with like the extended mushroom blading uh logo around it and kind of like a snake formation um and then we did the twin peaks wheel so with undercover there was the two two designs that we did on both a 90 and a 100 mil. But um, we wanted to do other wheel sizes with them, but uh, yeah, that didn't work out. So we were just kind of pigeonholed, kind of limited to big wheel, the big wheel with undercover. And we wanted, we wanted to represent all, every size of wheel because we skate every kind of wheel. We're not just like big wheel skaters. So it just felt natural for us to just make our own wheel that, uh, company that kind of was more inclusive of all of the wheel sizes, you know, and it was more reflective of, of what we do. 
You have four wheels. What's the sizes you have currently? Yeah, we have a 90 and a 100, and we have the 60 and the 58. So, yeah, you got something for everybody in that mix right now. Yeah. Do you have plans for other size wheels? You want to do like a 56, like 110s, 70s, 80s? Yes. Eventually, yes. Eventually, we're going to do every size. What about anti-rockers? Yes, we are going to make anti-rockers. So the brand itself, it's being distributed with Lawrence through Balanced Distribution. Is he involved with the brand as well? Just on the distribution level. Okay. Yeah. And just like giving us a little bit of his guidance. He's got some good industry experience um, and, and good like knowledge in terms of, you know, what, what wheel sizes are good to do at certain times and things. So, and the manufacturing wheels, did he help you find a new manufacturer? Are you still with the undercover manufacturing? No, we found a new manufacturer. And the wheels, obviously, there's a throw to the face wheels. Yes. With the color and the, prof- the profiles as well, right? Yes. Did you have to make molds or was there existing molds to use? There were existing molds. Yeah, we didn't have to make new molds. They're all available now? Um, we did, we did some direct order, which sold out, uh, pretty fast, but most of them are going to shops. Um, so they're going to be at local skates, uh, rampant, um, shop task and roller warehouse. So in January. And are you guys going to do a laces wheel? That's a good idea. Because I think that would be nice. Like a wheel with a lace lace graphic. Lace lace graphic, yeah. Because that's another hot topic. It is, yeah. Laces are nice. You guys did that real limited frame collaboration with K2. Yeah. That you guys got your logo on both sides because K2 didn't want it stamped. Yeah. And I'm not sure if the same frame that Michael Kraft had, but it was yeah. quite long. Michael Kraft had it, yeah. You did that frame, so you guys have had a frame. You guys had some wheels. Now you have your own wheels. Now you're working with Lawrence, who makes frames. Have you had any discussion about making a another mushroom blading frame or possibly a 50-50 mushroom blading frame collaboration project? Nothing, no, nothing in the near future. Um, no, right now we're just focused on wheels. We obviously, we want to do every size. So that's going to be pretty much all consuming for at least the next year. So that's going to be our, our main focus. And bearings, any bearings? Possibly, but again, it's kind of in the distant future. Just because it goes with the wheel pretty good? Yeah, you know, if that would be cool. Um, obviously, that would be a, a natural progression. But again, right now, we're just focused on, on wheels. And do Joey, Gary, and Rod Kenny get paid? We do pay them, yes. You pay them. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're a part of the sum. The team is very fresh. Yeah. It has four very impressive people on it. Yeah. It wasn't easy to get them on the team. Um, they're not like always super supportive of everything that we do, but, but we were able to, we were able to get them on the team. Well, congratulations to all of you. Thank you. I look forward to seeing what 2022 brings with mushroom blading products. Um, Probably some new shirt graphics, I'm assuming, as well. Uh, 
which is very exciting. So I'm happy for you and Joey on this new venture with the wheels. Um, I wanted to move on to uh, mushroom blading videos. Mushroom blading eight just came out. It's your eighth mushroom blading video. Uh, I don't remember how many videos you made before the mushroom blading series, but you guys have definitely done a lot of videos. We've done a lot of videos, yeah. <laughs> and you said that, that Joey is the one who puts them together, edits them. Do you sit with him when he's doing that? Is it like a both your minds kind of working on it, or is it just a solo Joey project? I sit in on on some of the sessions i back when we did like Cirque du Soleil and better than baseball um obviously before i had a family and stuff i would sit in on like most of the editing sessions i would be at his house like every night through the winter um now it's more of like he'll send me little clips on the on the phone and kind of approve things and i'll uh, he'll send me like the soundtrack of the whole video and then I can listen to the soundtrack and kind of think of ideas for certain sections. Like I'm, he'll send me, he sent me like every session that we did of filming for the video. So I was really familiar with the footage so I could send him like ideas for like, I think this clip would work really well in this section and little things like that. Um, so I help out where I can, um, but it's mostly it's his, his work awesome i like the the soundtrack was definitely fun on this new video very obscure is is joey the one picking all the songs yeah joey's a wizard with music he is very very knowledgeable and and is always introducing me to new new music it's nice of the past eight mushroom blading videos you guys have made which one's your personal favorite <sighs> My personal, I think the last one is my favorite, MB8. Um, just, I think we were on another level of like um, not caring, like not, um, I think a mistake that a lot of people do is they, they, uh, they don't want footage that makes them look bad in the video. <laughs> that's a mistake so you you want to look bad not the entire time but at least like a lot of the time because it's just like the video isn't about you looking dope all the time that's not what a video should be it's like bigger than you i think skaters get their egos too intertwined with the video it has to make them look badass. And it should make them look badass at times, but not the whole time. And, and, that, and that's taken a lot of like maturity on Joey's part and my part to be comfortable with being a dork. That takes maturity. So I think the, for our, our last one was the most mature video that we've ever done. Your videos are definitely unlike any other videos, mainly because there's only two of you in a 30 minute video. Every other Blade video has got like, you know, 50 people in it, yeah. right? Or something like that. Like, you know, you got two guys right. in a 30 minute video. Right. And 
I probably don't want to watch you guys skate for 30 minutes anyway. I want to see the fun stuff, you know, the antics, the mess ups. Exactly. The joking, the panning over to multiple girls smoking cigarettes and checking their phones, you know, like. Exactly. You know, that makes that interesting. <laughs> there should be some of that in the other videos that are out there. I do love the videos where like they're just incredible at skating. I love those. Like I really enjoyed the Mesmer video. Um, it was really good. I love it. I've, you know, I've watched it maybe 10 times since it came out. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, on our level, it's, we're, we're not like that good. So like we need like our goal is not to make a mesmer video. Our goal is to make like a really entertaining experience. So to do that, we we try to combine the dorkiness with those God moments. It works out very well. I mean, you've done eight videos <laughs> and people like them. So you're doing it right. Now, who is a better filmer, you or Joey? Good question. And I think it's pretty even. I do take a lot of pride in my filming. Um, I'm a very good filmer. Joey's a really good filmer too. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say one is better than the other. Just like I wouldn't say one is a better skater than the other. It's kind of like, um, you know, Joey has his day, and I have my day. I have my moments with the camera, and Joey has his moments. You know, Joey has fucked up some clips and I've fucked up some clips. Like, it just depends on the... I've also fucked up some clips. <laughs> it happens. It happens no matter how good you are. Like, oh, dude, you might have to do that again. Like, I sneezed right when you were uh, doing your trick. But, um, yeah, I think we're both really good filmers, which is very important. Good filming is very important. What's the most memorable moment from filming the mushroom blading series? Is there one that stands out? Well, yeah, there was a time when a guy got stabbed in Vancouver. Well, yeah, that's memorable. Yeah. And the whole street was, there was just like so much blood. Yeah, filming that was memorable. Was that in the video? Yeah. Which one? Which video? Mushroom blading one. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Yeah, it's intense. You go back and watch your old videos at all? No, I'm more into watching our new videos. Yeah, I don't really watch like the older ones. Like I usually watch like wizard like edits just to try to get ideas for wizard skating if I watch our stuff. I was reading about your city, Kamloops. Yeah. So first of all the name is so bizarre so it goes really well with mushroom blading and i read yeah. it's like a anglicized version of an indian word but i also read you know your city the population grew in the past 10 years said so something like ten thousand people have they built new stuff there yeah like since like in the last over the last 20 30 years um the the, the development is just crazy to think about like there's this old show that we used to watch called Euphorium Emporium. And that was like a cable access TV show, like a comedy sketch show that people used to do back in the nineties. And it's so interesting to watch because a, like where a lot of 
strip malls and and big buildings are now there was there used to be just dirt just like mountains and stuff so yeah the the development is crazy so what's the closest big city to there vancouver vancouver is four hours away so that's still pretty far yeah we don't have too much left i know it's been a long episode but i think we touched on some pretty good topics so far I wanted to go to the podcast. I don't have a lot to talk about the podcast of the how to be a popular just because you've talked about it a lot with other people. You talk about it a bunch of Jump Street, talk about it a bunch in the back of blading. So, but I do have a couple questions about the podcast. And what was your favorite episode? Obviously, like interviewing Chris Haffey was pretty incredible, just in terms of like starting a podcast and then being like, holy shit, like Chris Haffey is gonna come on. And um, he was like the big superstar at the time. So that was memorable, memorable. Um, we also interviewed, Joey and I did a Skype interview with uh, Chauncey. What's his real name? What's, <laughs> what's his real name? From uh, Chauncey, he was in Forever Now. Dan, Dan, he had a bunch of nicknames. I'm not sure. And it was just so bizarre. It was really memorable. Yeah, it was really good. You've had a lot of people on a podcast multiple times. I know Frank Stoner has been there a bunch. Yeah, I did a few podcasts with Frank. I did one at his house in Austin. Okay. I was there for a South by Southwest. I actually saw Brian Freeman skating down the street when I was in Austin. Oh, wow. That's cool. I just yelled out, be free. He turned around and I don't think he knew who I was. I was <laughs> so you guys have had Frank on the podcast a ton. A few times, yeah. He's been a reoccurring guest. I know Frank loves linguistics of skating, um, tricks, trick names. <laughs> what do you guys enjoy the most about having Frank on the show. Yeah, he's a really interesting perspective because he is an academic and he is really into the linguistics of skating. Um, yeah, his perspective is just really interesting. Yeah, he definitely is, definitely has a different perspective on skating um, than most people just because he's hyper intelligent. Exactly, exactly. He sees it through a different lens. I've noticed with the podcast that the episodes have been trickling out. You haven't been doing too many. I know you stepped back from doing podcasts yourself and mainly Joey's doing them. You guys going to be doing more podcasts or is that something you guys are putting on the side burner? Yes, we will definitely do more podcasts. Um, a lot of our energy has been, you know, put into filming and making videos. That's our number one. And then obviously you know, working on the wheel stuff. Um, but, uh, we don't, we don't put it on ourselves to like do like a weekly podcast or even a monthly podcast, but it's always something that we're going to do. Um, even if it's few and far between, um, they will happen. Um, yeah, but I, like, I don't, I don't feel, yeah, I don't feel like I need to do it consistently. 
because it's not really our main thing. It's kind of just like a, a, a side thing. It's always been a side thing, you know, kind of an extension of other things that we do. It's definitely, uh, you know, it's a staple though. It's been around. It's a, a part of just like the mushroom blading videos is a part of skating. So is the podcast, How to Be Unpopular, which I've always loved the name. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to go get into like today, modern times, um, the present. Do you watch most of the new videos and sections that come out? I wouldn't say most. There's a ton of new stuff coming out. I, I watch a lot of it. Yeah. I watch a lot of it. Most of the stuff that them puts out. I obviously watch all the everything the basement puts out. Watch the new Mesmer video. Loved that. Um, and obviously I'm addicted to Instagram. So I see a lot of the stuff on Instagram. There's a lot of things happening in blading. And you know, you hear a lot of people say, especially with the back to blading people, it's mainly old people coming back, which you know, I agree there's a lot of old people coming back. Um I think it's easier for them to stick around because you have a lot more like skate parks now and like trails and whatever. But I also see a lot of kids, even though people might disagree, but you can see just in the videos, like there's a lot of youth under 18, look at the icon team, AM team, everyone's under 18. Um, is there any, to, have you been following any of the young kids? I do. Yeah. Is there one that, that you enjoy watching? Well, the, there's that uh, Korean, is she Korean? A girl, I, her handle's like Beck, B-E-C. She's like a nine-year-old yeah, I've seen her girl that is incredible. She can do tons of stuff that I can't even do. Um, I follow her and yeah, I'm really impressed by her. Um, there's a kid out here in Canada that actually I got to skate with. Uh, he came through with his dad. Um, his name's Bryce uh, Bryce Blades. That was I might have a sticker here somewhere. Do I? no i don't but it's yeah he's uh nine or he was nine when i skated with him and he was like crazy consistent like hitting grinds on coping and stuff like that and that was really cool to see so you're right there are there are kids out there i, I like those girls have you seen those twin the twin girls from switzerland yeah i've seen them yeah they're fun to watch there's also that kid yurk that skates for icon he's like 18 he got he won the blading cup open i'm not familiar um, with him no. he's from switzerland but he lives in montreal now oh okay so he's like one of the new additions to montreal yeah it's cool to see young kids um skating it's very cool I love it. what are you the most excited about like in in blading today with all the changes that have been happening with brands and new companies and royalties and kids and people coming back like what are you most excited about? I'm most excited that people are like open-minded to like different um, wheel sizes um, and different technologies, different skating styles. Like there isn't this, like there used to be a very, very closed-minded attitude towards wreck skating, big wheels, like aggressive skaters were, wouldn't be caught dead on like big wheels. And I love that there's that crossover now between the different disciplines that shows a lot of maturity and like a lot of the new, the tricks that are happening and the skaters, everything is much healthier because of it. I agree. And I also think that that's 
one thing that can make skating really grow is oh, like yeah. uniting all the factions, right? Yeah. Like the sport has to grow together. Exactly. Not in not independently. Exactly. And not together with not together with other extreme sports. Yeah. You know? And even the unity with uh, quad skating, like, is very cool to see that those communities are coming together. It is cool to see, which is which is weird because when quad skating was first popping off in the mid two thousands. They, you know, a lot of, you know, being in Austin, a lot of these girl, well, it was mainly girl skating then, you know, you have more, more guys yeah. now, but they want to be associated more with skateboarders than they did with inline skaters. And I, it looks like this changed or maybe there's factions that's changed, but it's nice to see it. It's nice to see yeah. the mix of, you know, having to, them show up a blading cup at the Frank yeah, Morales Invitational, cool. they have a yeah. category for it. I think it's rad. Um, so one thing I want to touch on is, you know, back in the early 2000s or even mid 2000s whatever like people were trying to outdo each other trying to be the best skater with the hope of making money you know because it was at the tail end of what people actually made money then they realized you know it's not worth doing these tricks because you're not going to get anything well fast forward to today and you have them and everyone paying these high royalties where a skater can make forty five thousand dollars a year now if all their skates sell out or just off of one skate if it sells out you think that's going to make people push boundaries again to hope to get sponsored by these brands see yeah i disagree that i don't think the only reason why people were doing stunts was for the money like i don't think that's true i think well i don't think everyone it's not that not the case for everyone but there was a people you know there was a lot of people who were trying to make money i know that they were yeah, of course, people were trying to make money. But what I'm saying is like, um, people always say like people did hammers, just so that they, they could try to get in a position to get paid, or they, they thought it would be lucrative. But I think there's more to it than that. I think it was like a, a reflection of like, the age of most of these people, it was we were like in our 20s. And it was kind of just a cultural thing, because so many people were doing hammers um, that weren't getting paid and didn't have any hopes of getting paid by companies. It was just kind of like what skating was. And it was fun. I, I was a part of that. I was into doing hammers. And um, I think a lot of people still do hammers, but people are also open to like pushing skating on other levels, like not just in like a stunt amplitude aspect, but in a like creative way um there's less like pressure to skate the one way you can still skate that way and people do you still have demetrius george hitting like huge kinked rails and and nils jansen skating insane stuff you still have that but it's just all it's all embraced like the guy that's just just wants to skate the curb he's just as much one of the homies as you know the people killing themselves it's like a, a big cultural shift um and the the fact that people like pat ritter and danny beer are getting pro skates it shows people that you don't need to be a stunt skater to be a top pro or to get a pro boot you can if that's who you are but you can just kind of follow your own bliss okay it seemed more realistic back in the day to like make a salary from just skating. 
and I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think that's realistic nowadays to expect that you can just like get on a company and then get a solid paycheck for being on that company. Um, it might happen, but it's super rare. Um, like I, I, I've never, I, yeah, I don't think skating is, is really a career career. I think it's really cool that, you know, these guys can make this money right now. And I think that if you kept your team small, then they could make that money every year. Right. But I also think that they're trying to spread the wealth and get everybody some money. It is true that if they just focused on like one or two people, then they could they could do more for that one or two. I think it's a hard position that they're in, but I'm curious to see if, how it's going to go. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I'm just of the attitude that like you, you shouldn't you shouldn't try to be a pro skater. That seems like a silly thing. <laughs> I mean, you should, uh, like, if you feel strongly about skating, you should push yourself and try to be good and try to, like, get opportunities within it. But I would never encourage anyone to to just be a skater. You know, that, do, that doesn't sound like a solid career path to me. Um, it sounds like, like a good, like a smart thing to do. It's like being... Like it's not a full-time job. Um, it should be. It should be a second job. I mean, the thing is, I think it should be for any sport to grow. You should have people that are that's their full-time job. Yeah, but but I think they would need to be on a competition circuit or something like that. Right. Well, then that's a whole different type of skater. Like that seems more realistic to me. Like if there is a competition circuit, it's like if like it's it's the exact same thing as like being a golfer and just expecting to be sponsored, but not going to contests to try to like not competing on the PGA. Like, oh, I just like to golf for fun. I guess it's, it might be a little bit different, but, but from a, from an economic perspective, it's, it's almost the same thing. Like, um, you know, you might get your in, endorsements, even like a, like a person in the NBA, they, they play the game. They don't just have their shoe deal, even though they, they probably make more off their shoe deal than, than a role better. But like, and it's, it's hard because it's a different, it's almost like two different sports. You know, you have your street skaters that are really good at their thing and they might win some of the park comps, but then you have your feast skaters, you know, these guys from France. I mean, that's a, they're a totally different level of skater, you know, different type of skater. They couldn't touch the guy, you know, the street guys will kill them on the street, but when it comes to park, you know, it's like, so you got to choose. You're going to be a park skater and only do comps. Like, so it makes it a little bit more difficult because those feast guys are really good. And there's a lot of guys you know, who do have a career. A lot of guys you've never even heard of. You know, you watch those feast videos. Like, you, you know, half the guys you've never even heard of who they are. But they're like, you know, doing these comps are crazy ass skaters. Yeah. And, and the comps are almost designed for those guys to excel. Um, I don't know. I do think that we need to think about like how we can integrate competition into, into what we do. Cause that's like what, 
like if if people really want to make a living like there needs to be like a pro tour you used to run contests popularity contests that was yours yeah and have you thought about hosting a contest again in this day and age no no (laughs) no i don't want to do that I would, I would like to skate in a competition. I'd like to show up and have fun, but no, I don't, I'm not interested in, um, that's a, it's a, that's a big job, but we do need, we do need, like, I feel like people are, some people have a negative attitude towards contests, but really it's the best way to display skating to like an audience. Like every sport has their show as their like game or whatever it is. Um, I think we need to start thinking about how we can like reinvent the ASA in like a way that makes sense to us. Like all the complaints that people have about it, let's address those and make something like a little bit different. Well, the industry is a completely different spot now. With different yeah. people leading it, I think having something like that now would be completely different. Yeah. I mean, your announcers would actually know the name of the tricks. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you ever went to any of those, those events or like state fairs and stuff, they just made up tricks. Right. You know, they made up names <laughs> of tricks. Like, <laughs> you know, it was ridiculous. It's definitely a, a much more uh, knowledgeable community. But uh, those things, like, like, even as a young kid, like having, a, a competition to go to was so exciting and it's added so much to the experience of of rollerblading and it gave like it gave uh legitimacy to parents like you know their kid is competing in something i don't know parents are more likely to like support what they're doing as opposed to just like oh you just want to roll around the streets with your friends like it's hard to get people to understand the the validity of that activity i mean it's like the blading comp i mean the blading cup setup they have there in the street yep. in santa Ana. you know back in the 90s there was contests like that all over texas you know you have in houston dallas maybe asa or nis affiliated events but it would be yep. in the middle of the street maybe during like a street festival and yeah there's a lot of people there you know and that's how we met frank stoner yeah. at an event like that like we had i think he had showed up with a grind box with his neighbor and they were just skating it at this right. festival and we were skating across the streets and rail and then met those dudes there yeah we met a lot of people like in canada at different events a lot of the people we're friends with to this day at contests um and i think contests have a lot to do with like setting up the longevity of somebody's interest in skating like i think competing did have a positive effect on joey and i um like our experiences at those competitions it's just like if you win a contest and you're 12 or 13 i think that's going to be something you're never going to forget it's just going to be such a cool moment in your life and uh you're just going to fall in love with skating even more. What was the last time you competed in a contest? Was it the slalom contest? It's probably the slalom contest. Um, I've never really done 
really well in contests. I went to the nationals when in 98, the Canadian nationals, I got 36. <laughs> um, but I think now I would appreciate the experience of, of skating in a contest more than I used to. There's not a lot of, I mean, even with street contests, most of them have disappeared. I mean, you have a few that have been around forever, but, you know, we used to have the Texas skate series in Texas and those kind of faded away. A lot of it had to do, I think with the street contests is just dealing with like police and yeah, those are rugged. Like, like, you know, legalities and getting fined or yeah, people getting hurt or, you know, whatever, or like people having, you know, marijuana cigarettes at schools and yeah <laughs> like elementary schools and beer and stuff like <laughs> yeah so but yeah well i think that's uh pretty good we talked for a little bit over two hours yeah that was great and i think we covered a lot of um material i don't think there was too Definitely. much overlapping with stuff you've done in the past well maybe on the mushroom blading podcast because i haven't like i said i haven't listened to all of them yeah no that was great you asked some very interesting questions Enjoy. well thank you yeah. Todd, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I hope everyone out there enjoyed watching this. If you did, make sure and hit the like button. Subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. And hit the bell icon to be notified of all future uploads. And is there anyone you'd like to see me interview? Let me know in the description below and I'll see if I can make it happen. Make sure to follow me on social media. I have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I have links in the description below. And if you do want to support this channel, I have a link to my Patreon page where you can have access to exclusive footage and videos not available on this channel. And I also have a donation button if you want to take that route. Those are both in the description below. Thank you so much for watching this episode with Todd McEnery. I hope you all have a wonderful holidays and a happy new year. And I'll see you all again in 2022. Take care. Goodbye.